Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. Join the founding father of the sales enablement profession, Scott Santucci, and trailblazer Brian Lambert as they take you behind the scenes of the birth of an industry. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. I'm Scott Santucci. I'm Brian Lambert, and we are the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is for sales enablement leaders looking to elevate their function, expand their sphere of influence, and increase the span of control within their companies. Together, Brian and I have worked on over 100 different kinds of sales enablement initiatives as analysts, consultants, or practitioners. We've learned the hard way what works and maybe more importantly, what doesn't. That's right, Scott. And today on this show, what uh, we're going to discuss, everybody, is who is the customer of sales enablement? That's right. It's a kind of a Zen question, but who is our customer? And as usual, we're going to start with a centering story, give our episode a theme. So, Scott, what do you have for us? Well, I feel like I'm going in the way, way, way forward machine here with a story that starts in 1958, not 1858, <laughs> uh, if you've been listening to our, uh, to our, uh, to our show. In 1958, the executives at Ford got pretty much religion on this, uh, this new thing about market research. So if you've been following, maybe you watched Mad Men and you realize that, um, you know, the, uh, the advertising industry was really starting to evolve uh, in, in the late 50s and early 60s. And it was, that's actually a true thing. And they started d- doing market research. And the, the executives at Ford got this great idea. What if we did market research to design a car? Makes sense, right? So they surveyed lots of users or lots of, well, users, that's a modern term, lots of customers about what they'd want to see in a car. And they designed this car based on this feedback of of all these people. They were going to get massive market share because they made sure that they got every type of person involved from um, Older people, people with families, single, single people, people who wanted half, people who wanted, a, you know, a, a family environment. They took all that information, and they designed a car for everybody. And they rolled it out, expecting they were just going to clean house and dominate market share. You know what the name of that car product was? Um, was it the Edsel? It was the Edsel. Yeah. And the Edsel Colossal by 1960. Failure. By 1960, uh, they pulled it from the shelf. So it was just a two-year life cycle, which is not a long time for any kind of car. And they invested so much money that in 1960, they reported a loss of $250 million on that initiative. $250 million. That's a lot of money, isn't it, Brian? Uh, Well, I'm sure in 1960 it was. Well, isn't it a lot of money for today? I mean, losing two hundred fifty million dollars, no one's going to write that. Want to write that on a statement? That's but true. Let's, I'll give let's you that. In, let's put <laughs> it in the frame. Let's frame it out, though. In if that were today, the scope of that failure would have been two point two billion dollars. Oh, Think wow. about the headlines that would have on MSNBC or what we'd be hearing about about uh, the huge catastrophic failure that Ford did. 
Hmm. Well, gee, that's, uh, that's our story. That's interesting because uh, they did the research and they probably saw the huge market opportunity, built the car that, that, that hit all the customer feedback and had a colossal failure. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. And um, what, do you, what do you think? What, why, why that story with regard to who is our customer? Yeah, so what, so what, right? What does it have to do with anything? The reason it has anything to do with why we're talking about it and the theme for today, sales enablement, who is your customer, is because when Ford, the Ford executives designed the Edsel for everybody, they actually made it for nobody. And that's really what we're finding a lot of is a lot of people, there's a bunch of definitions about what sales enablement is or isn't. Um, Mm-hmm. There's a lot of terminology that people keep debating and wanting to share. At the end of the day, if you're not really clear on who your customers are and to whom you're servicing, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So let me let me pop quiz our our nation, insider nation. Uh, pop quiz. Um, I'll give you three seconds to answer this question. Who who's the customer of sales enablement? To answer that question, who is the customer of sales enablement? And I'm I'm willing to guess if you're like most people, you're probably saying sales, or you're running down a huge list of people that you talk to or work with. So, you know, Scott, what do you think? Is that the right way to think about it? Is the first group that comes to the mind or the, the people you're working with on a day-to-day basis? Right. So the the words the function's called sales enablement. Of course sales is our customer, right? Well, that's right. Um, I would beg to differ. Your customer is the person who gives you money. Period. If All you, right, if hang you're, on a second. So, okay. So, are you so a customer in business is somebody who definitely gives you money? I'll I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Um, take your wallet out, buy your ice cream. You're a customer of that ice cream place. Um, in this case, in sales enablement. You're saying the same thing literally. That's not that's not a analog. That's a that's a nope. literal statement. It's a Who literal you statement. Your customer is the 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 person who's who's the department or whoever is giving who's funding your department or funding you. If you're a one man show, uh, if you're a one man band, your customer is whoever is paying your check. Who you serve may be salespeople. But a salesperson isn't going to write you a check. They're not your customer. Your customer is the person who's giving you the check. So you have two variables here. You have what your customer wants, and then you have the way that you're going to give them what they want. You service the sales force. So right there, you have you might have you might be at odds with different people, and it's important to think of that way. My customer is the person who's giving me the money. Who I serve is people in the sales force. Yeah, so this is good. So let's let's uh, let's kind of pull this out, right? So you've got two buckets, and let's just say the whole entire group is uh, you know people, um, and we broke the people into two groups. One is our customer, and that's who gives us the money. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be good to understand that because sometimes that money is centralized, and you're just given a budget. So we, we're probably let's 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 make sure we talk about. How do we know who that customer is? And then the second bucket, I'll just call them stakeholders. 
You know, so you have st- stakeholders and customers. And the stakeholder bucket is the folks that we work with, marketing, product, sales, salespeople are stakeholders even, um, you know, the impacted groups. And, and I think there's a lot of impacted groups that puts us be- in, in sales enablement uh, in a rock, between a rock and a hard place, basically. You have all these, you know, competing inputs, different priorities, different asks from, from both groups, stakeholders and customers. And I, I can see where you're going with this because if you lose sight of who's in what bucket, you may take different types of action. And then sometimes, and, and I've seen this in uh, the folks that I've talked to, sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the most service because they're the loudest. And is that really who you want to be serving um, is the person who's got the loudest uh, opinion of what well, you should Well, also, does that put you in a spot of where you add the most value? That's right. That's right. So what do you think about that? The customer bucket, stakeholder bucket. Yeah, let's go. I, let's, I, yeah, let's go through some scenarios. Uh, there are, I think we identified um, three or four classic places where a sales enablement department can report into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's let, let's talk through like um, if you report into that, who you report into is your customer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what about um, let's say. Marketing. If you if if you report into marketing, that senior VP CMO is your customer. Then who who would be the people we serve or the stakeholders that we're working with? Right. So if if you are reporting to the CMO and you're the head of sales enablement, why do you report there? What is it that he or she wants? He or she wants to be able to improve how the company is delivering messages through the sales channel to be able to be differentiated. So who do you serve? You serve, one, the people who have messaging inside the marketing department to make it more sales accessible. That's one uh, person you serve. You may even serve the product people uh, to make it more translatable. You might be serving um, product launches and how to get the word out to sales. You also are servicing salespeople um, since your remit in that area probably won't include training. So you are servicing information about your products and services and about differentiation. So you are servicing salespeople by helping them with the information required for a launch or the information to differentiate um, or some, some messaging. That's who you're servicing and how you're servicing them. So if I'm a sales leader and I come to you and you're reporting into marketing, I say, you know, hey, you should really take over that sales kickoff. You know, you're better at it. What would be your answer? Well, I would say, are you going to give us funding for that? Right, because it's out of your scope right now. It, well, it's, it's, that is not a service that my customer is offering that's outside of the marketing span of control. So I'd say, let's go talk to our our boss. So I would go talk to my boss, the CMO, and I'd say, look, this is a great opportunity. It's a great platform for us to uh, provide a foundation to deliver lots of messages. We should do this. And they would say, that makes a lot of sense. That's great because it's part of your mission. You're right, it does give us a better platform. We should do it. 
then we'd, uh, we'd negotiate and say, what do we want for it in exchange? So what are you going to give us? Are you going to give us the budget for it? Because we're not going to pay for the whole budget for it. You, you already have a budget for sales kickoffs. So let's use your budget. Let's use your resources. Right. So send and us the money plus two people or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we'll, ha- we'll happily do it. Okay. So let's I, go to the I, next I, one. Yep. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, sales ops. So if uh, I'm reporting into ops, I'm a sales leader, a sales enablement leader reporting to ops, and I'm, I'm you know, probably you know, working on uh, the kickoff or sales process work, maybe even uh, you know, forecasting, pipeline, reporting, stuff like that. Okay, so these are, again, each of these scenarios, by the way, a disclaimer, each of these scenarios are, are going to be different. We need to make sure you're, you're clear on what it is that each, each one of your customers want. But let's, let's say in a, a classic VP of or, or head of sales operations, if you're reporting there, they're probably looking at a bunch of functional uh, capabilities that they need to have, they need to possess. Uh, so, for example, uh, it is very common that a sales operations group is going to look at the functionality of the sales force and what the capabilities are, whether we have the right skills and the right talent to be able to execute the sales model. Okay, so um, what they'll say is, you know what, we need a talent pillar or talent component uh, of that. We we'll call that sales enablement. And I expect you uh, as the sale, they probably won't say this, they'll just describe, you know, you know what we're looking for. But this is what your job is to do, is to make sure it's clear what's expected of you. Like what is the service? What, what does the customer want? But really what, what they're looking for is uh, probably uh, adoption of the sales methodology that they've, uh, that, that they've worked on with the BPS sales. So who am I servicing? I am servicing uh, the... I am servicing the sales managers and the sales leadership on first educating them on that sales methodology, how it works, how they can, how they can make it work, and then providing uh, training for that. I might also own very specific um, tasks like new hire training, um, but maybe even managing kickoffs. You know, we talked about the sales kickoff before. I might manage those. So I could, uh, the, the, I am servicing the, the, the sales force through that lens. Yeah, and uh, all of that is to be, to be determined, discussions would happen, then obviously that would get documented in the charter and socialized so everybody understands, one, who your customer is of sales enablement, and then two, who you're servicing and, and who you're, you're um, working with and the stakeholders impacted, uh, including dependencies, I would say, like, what are you dependent upon? What do you need from people to pull off your, your services? And what's that yeah. working relationship? And, and let me reiterate why this is so important. Why it's so important is because, let's take the sales kickoff, for example. If you uh, are in this role and you're reporting to sales operations, you're gonna feel obligated to make sure that all of the content, all of the kickoff stuff is all organized, all well done, et cetera. So you're gonna take on a lot more extra work. If you say my job is managing the kickoffs and you can delineate roles and responsibilities and say, hey, marketing, you need to get us this material a week before and it needs to be in this format. And we're gonna role play how, how we present it. 
then you spend less work and you're putting the work onto the people who are plugging into it. Obviously, you can't say that to your CEO who's going to show up at the last moment, you know, <laughs> with, with their content. But that's uh, how you manage that by saying, this is what my remit is and this is what my focus is. And my focus is on the, the head of sales operations. And I because know they're my say, primary customer. They are. They are my customer, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, you have to be conscious about who their customers are. Right. Those are your they're secondary. So, you know how your service is fitting into an overall plan. But um, especially if you talk to stakeholders that are outside of your you know, daily remit, they're going to want to know how it all fits together. So you should be aware of it. But it's just this intentionality and focus is really important in terms of um, um, establishing roles and responsibilities. And more importantly, your workload, the quality of work that you provide and the resources that you get. Mm -hmm. So where does the VP of sales fit in these scenarios? If you're working under marketing and ops and those are your customers, what's the, what's the role of the VP of sales then and the sales leadership? Well, um, the, the VP of sales, in, in terms of the CMO, the CMO is the one who should have the relationship with this, the VP of sales. I might be an account, we might work it out to where I'm at, I play the account manager role you know, a liaison, but I should always have meetings with both of those together. Always. Um, and sort of facilitate. It is not my responsibility to build the relationship there. It's my responsibility to help the VP of sale, VP of marketing have a better relationship there. My job is to make my customer a hero. If the VP of marketing is going to engage with the sales leaders, then that's what needs to be done. If he or she doesn't want to work with the, with the sales leaders, we need to make that clear. It's our job to make sure that our, our, our customer is successful. So that means we might say, well, you need to participate. Let me get you prepared. Let me give you, you know, some of that feedback. You don't want to be in unnatural spots. Same thing with the, with the, with the head of sales operations. Here's the feedback that I'm going to give you. Let's rehearse beforehand what our messaging is. How are we going to tackle it? What's my role? What's your role? Yeah. So uh, that VP of sales is then what? Is, is that a, the, the beneficiary of the work that you're doing as a stakeholder? Um, if, they're not a, if they're not a customer? Because you're, if you're the CMO is the customer, is the VP of sales your the benefit, the beneficiary? or the? Well, the uh, they are, uh, I am in service of, right? So um, the value that the VP of sales gets from new hire training He's a, that's the benefit that he gets out of it. And everybody in their organization gets the benefit of the new hire training that I'm doing, say, in the, if I'm reporting to the head of sales ops. Sales ops, the customer, is likely the VP of sales. So they got a different, uh, a different, uh, a different situation to sort out. Mm -hmm. So I am responsible for providing capabilities that my boss, the VP of operations, provides back. Gotcha. It's important, you know, you, you know that, so you don't start thinking that you're like the king of everything, and then you get out of alignment with your uh, with your boss. It's not good. Right. So what I, I thought what I'm we hearing, had another scenario where what what you know what's the situation if the VP of sales is? Yeah, let's do that. What's okay. the yeah? So we did we did marketing, we did ops. What if yep. he reported into the VP of sales? 
So if I report into the VP of sales, uh, what is it that he or she's looking for? They're looking for anything that's going to make, help them make their number. So under that, uh, under that expanse, there might be, what I would do is I would do a baseline analysis and, and, and understand all of the different variables. I wouldn't just launch into training. I would say, Mr. VP of sales, we're going to, I know you have some ideas of what we want to accomplish. We'll tackle some of those short-term goals, but we know that we want to have a strategy moving forward. Maybe um, we have too many reps and that's actually causing us problems. Maybe our biggest problem is in sales quotes and that's the primary error to fix. Maybe our primary challenge is in the, the lack of differentiated messaging. We can't just keep assuming that it's sales training. Let's find out where the low hanging fruit is. And then I would do an assessment because anything that I can do to help him or her meet the overall number and show what, what, what it takes and to pull down short-term wins and constantly progressive wins because uh, they've got a you know, very limited window uh, to, to produce results, they're gonna be open for. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So who do I serve? I serve uh, the sales force as a whole. I serve the sales leadership one way, I, I serve the managers another way, I serve the salespeople another way. Yeah. And, and I, if you have I different regions, you would, you, you would serve the different regions differently as well. Yeah. These distinctions are really important because we all want to get the attaboys, you know, and, uh, you know, we want to be the heroes for, the, for the, the, the salespeople in the trenches. But if we're not, if that's not part of our remit, then we're always going to be in constant conflict. Uh, our right. our boss is going to say, "Well, I'm not really looking for you to be the champion of the salespeople, like the the Lorax of the salespeople. That's not really what I hired you for. What I hired you for is to help us meet our number." That's right. And, and I debate. have the accountability uh, of the budget to my my customer, the CEO. And this is what I've signed us up for. What are you doing? Exactly. Um, and we could debate till we're blue in the face about, well, here's how sales training helps and here's how this helps. And, uh, I, and this I would person argue, in the hallway and this is an email I got and they really need that help. Yeah. You know? And that, that might be true, but if you can't make the overall, it, it might not be the low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. And you need to be really careful about what it is that you're doing, really intentional of what you're doing and make sure it, it, it is valuable to the customer that you're serving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that because um, that's critical and obviously, and, and, and we're in a, in a value-based business and we're talking about the service we're providing. We have stakeholders and customers, right? And, and quantifying the impact is definitely part of this discussion. And we'll talk about that, you know, some more in future podcasts. And, but let's, let's talk about then how do we figure out um, what's, what's going to be the most valuable uh, approach? Like what, what, what is value here? What does it mean to be valuable? And I think we have to figure out um, what these goals and challenges are, what problems we're trying to solve, and, and really focus in on we, the customer and the audience, those that we're serving, the stakeholder groups. And, you know, the key is to, to ask them what's working. And you and I have talked through the last couple of weeks about, um, you know, what works and what doesn't. This, this idea of what works is an interesting uh, discussion point because 
Um, I think there's so much out on LinkedIn and there's so many things coming in my inbox on what doesn't work um, and feedback that we get all the time on what's broken or what should we be doing differently or you have a typo on your website or whatever. Um, you know, these are, these are easy items for folks to, uh, to point out. But I, I find, and you and I have talked about this, it's really hard to get people to talk about what works. Yeah, it is. And, and let, let's, let's frame this out in a situation. Let's say here's the scenario, right? The scenario is you have just uh, built a new sales process. Okay, so this is not uncommon. Actually, it's very, very, very common. And with all the sales transformations that are coming into bear, uh, companies are investing in a, a sales process, which is, hey, this is, these are the steps that we know that uh, we're going to do in order for how we change the way that we introduce information and, and our capabilities to our customers. Okay, so let's, let's define that as a sales process. Uh, a methodology of how to do a sales process or how to sell is as a methodology. But let's say we've rolled out a new sales process, right? We're going to go through this sequence of events. We're going to include these, these people, blah, 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 blah. So what's the service that we provide? We work for the VP of, uh, in this case, I'm going to do, do something discreet. We work for the head of sales operations. What service do we provide? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, because so uh, is it is it reporting services? Is it uh, adoption services? Is it training? It will an adoption of what specifically? Right. So I, let's say that it's it's the adoption of the sales process. Are can we get our sellers to follow the sales process? Right. That is our primary mission. Right. Uh, so we need to figure out then how would we go about doing it? Yeah, and that's, that's what, good. Because, and, and, and that's a broader view then, which is why I like the stakeholder language, because when, if that is the, the primary goal and, the, and, and the, the charge provided by the customer, our customer, and we want to drive that outcome, we, we have to think outside our silo, pull that off. Right. Right. So the first thing is, so I'm going to assume that the sales methodology has been designed. So the first thing is we need to introduce it to the sales force. We might call it training. I would advise us to call it introduction. Uh, the reason that I say that is if, if our remit is, want, is we want it to be adoption, we need to not, what happens if you say uh, training, people assume you have that one event, you know, that one time, that week or that day or what, you know, whatever time you've been given, to cram as much information as possible to make sure that they follow that, that sales process. And uh, are you going to bet uh, your, you, there's 365 days in the, in the year and you take five days out to train on the sales process, 360 degrees days other. Are you going to bet that that's going to be adopted because you roll out a training class? I wouldn't bet on that. So I'd say we, I'd say, Step number one is we're going to make people aware of this new sales process, and we're going to do it through some introductory courses. Step number two is we're going to spotlight people who are really using it, you know, find the 20% of the people who are really using it. So we, that's where we go to what works. Who are the people really religious about this process? And let's get them talking. Step three, we'll keep asking them more details about specific steps of the sales process that they, that they like. And we're going to share, we're going to create a 
sales um, podcast or a sales uh, rap session where I invite people to hear, hey, here's specifically how that sales process works to help me get meetings with CIOs or CFOs or whomever the C-level target is. And then just have that as a topic because this is what works. And then people will model what works. Then the next thing that you do is uh, say, hey, how do you have, um, how do you handle this objection? Um, they've agreed to explore further and then they say, well, how do you help? So we have a podcast just on where people who found examples of what works to answer that question. And we keep that focus on what works and guess what you're gonna find at the end of the year? You're gonna find a lot it of works. adoption. It works. <laughs> That's right. So but the, the challenge then is focusing on what works and coming up with the, with, with the language for it is important. And I think that, that really goes to how we frame our job is to drive adoption of the sales process. And right. We have many tactics available to us, and these are the ways that we're able to do it. Yeah, and that's good and for, for a lot of reasons. And one of that really pops to mind here is if you take that approach or when you take that approach, it gets you out of the, you know, this is the way it's always been done. Muscle memory, you know, Oh, we're rolling out a sales methodology. So let's do the standard, you know, do our training, put it on the team site, send the email, just like everything say, else. And then complain that salespeople aren't doing it. Right. But if you're like, okay, what's, what's the outcome here? We're going to call it adoption. What do we mean by adoption? And, and these things, these questions might be, you know, out of the, out of the norm, but, it, it shouldn't take, you know, more than a couple hours to define the design point for these things. I think, know? yes, I, I think you're right. I think um, we need to be thoughtful because we're trying to provide value and we're trying to provide an enabling capability. The capability that we're enabling in this case is the sales process, if that's our assignment. So we, we got to stay focused on that because the company has invested uh, time, energy, and resource mm -hmm. on it. Right. If people are adopting the sales, the sales process and results stink, then you can say there's something wrong with the sales process but not the adoption program. If, right. however, only 20% of the salespeople are following the sales process, guess what? You have, it's going to be perceived that you haven't done your job. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are, you know, very clear, clear things. Then the next question that you're going to ask is it's pretty easy to measure the, the perceived success of a training program. You can say I had this people go through the course. Um, they rated, they rated the course, you know, pretty well. Boom. That's how we're going to evaluate performance. But that's a metric of number, you know, quantity, how many butts and seats. And then the other, the other metric is a metric of custom of um, the people who, who are taking the course. So that's going to motivate you to make it as easy and likable and lightweight as possible. But it doesn't, there's no correlation to whether or not they're actually using the sales methodology or not, the sales process or not. And that's what your assignment is. Your assignment is to drive adoption of the sales methodology, not be popular. Right. So you need and to say, here's how we will measure adoption. Mm -hmm. And here are, here's why the sales managers are important to that. Then you right. can say, here's my sales manager program. Right. And I think, you know, the, the rub on this 
that that we need to be prepared for is let's say somebody spent three months on the methodology or even longer and then they're like okay we're done so let's start training next week and if you are the you know person or function responsible for adoption you've got to push back on that you've got to learn how to have that conversation that says look you know i know you guys are done with it um I should have probably been involved in the whole entire process here, but from an adoption perspective, we can't start next week. And here's why, and here's the adoption program, you know, and you got to have that conversation uh, and you got to interrupt that inertia. Hopefully you've got the relationships where you've been involved in the whole time. You've spent three months on the adoption plan while they've spent three months on, you know, the build and you've given input into that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I think there's there's a reality of, uh, hey, we've got the initiative here. Time to roll it out. Go, and uh, that, you don't want to be in that spot, right? So let's let's talk about how we don't get in that spot. Let's talk about, you know, some some underlying themes here. I've, I've taken some notes and and let me give you specific takeaways. Uh, first, I would say, you've got to understand the purpose of your department, and you must be extremely clear on that purpose. And that includes the customer and those whom you serve. That's the first point. The second point here in all of this is your role must be clearly defined in order to establish and manage expectations. Uh, and that's, that's in two buckets that we talked about, the role of your customer and the role of the people you serve. And, and those, those people you serve, we call, we call stakeholders, and, and that ties back actually our stakeholder management series and the chicken hawk episode. And then the third thing I would say is you've got to define your services in a way that's tangible and clear. Uh, the services that you're providing on the be behalf of your customer, what you're funded to do, and then also the impact of those services to the roles you serve. So Scott, that's my three things is, you know, the purpose of your department, your role must be clear, and then you've got to define your services. What do you, what do you think of those three? I love it. I, I think that let, let's add some color to this. So a lot of people say, hey, I really don't need to do that because it's clear what's expected of me because it's in my job description. Uh, that's not true. Your department is different than your job description. So the reason that you need to be really, really clear is that the, the more you understand what is it, that you are, are are looking to accomplish and you can't just ask i need more clarity i need to know you, you need to be thoughtful about it and say okay the thing that i'm doing is this the goal is that so why is it that i'm doing this what is the what is the mission what is the primary purpose and then that's who your customer is you want to make sure it's clear so that you don't get micromanaged you don't give a lot of tasks involved you say, these are the, the programs that we're going to do. The second thing is be really, really, really clear to whom you serve. Those are steps that your, your boss isn't going to think through. And the more you can say, look, we have this department here. This is how we activate that group. Or look, we have different salespeople, different types of salespeople. Do all of them need the sales methodology training or the sales process training? The example we were using before. He's like, what do you mean? Of course they do. So BDRs need that. Maybe we need to modify it for the strategic accounts versus the new business people. 
oh yeah, you're right, good point, good point. And then you could say, we can roll it out right now for the new business people. And then we're going to uh, do a staged rollout to the strategic accounts people. And then we're gonna do a modified version to the BDRs. And then you can say, here's sort of our release schedule and here's what it looks like. Then you are, are very clear that uh, the value that you're providing is, is targeted to each of those roles. So then back to your roles. Uh, it's really important. Your role isn't just your job description. Your job description is there for the most part as, hey, these are the ways that we're gonna manage your MBOs and you know, what's important. Uh, but you, you should be able to influence those over time, each quarter, if you have quarterly uh, uh, business reviews and the like. So the more you understand what the purpose of your department is, the more you're gonna be able to manage your roles, and then the more you're gonna be able to clearly articulate the roles of your people and then the roles of your customers so you know what, what levers to pull. And that's why stakeholder management is so critically important. It's just, it's really making sure everybody's getting what they want, which is what the theme of the chicken hawk episode is. And then lastly, you need to define the things that you're doing in terms of services, not tasks. The task is gonna invite you know, lots of detailed inspection, and then maybe you have done a lot of tasks. I've seen many, many, many sales enablement leaders do get a lot of great feedback on training programs that they've rolled out and end up getting replaced because the sales force as a whole isn't adopting the sales methodology or the sales process. Um, who gets blamed for that? The sales enablement leader. So think about that in terms of services, which training is a component of, but uh, you might have adoption programs, you might have uh, real lightweight things that you could do, uh, like a, a sales wrap form where people can call in. Uh, it also includes uh, providing videos. It also uh, includes uh, sales sales coaching. All of those things are under an umbrella of a service. Oh, yeah, love it. And uh, I think, you know, for our listeners, go back, replay that, and you've got a bit of a checklist there. So, Scott, that's really good. Um, and I know we're running out of time, so actually I, I want to – just recap those three and then let's take us out. First, make sure you have the purpose of your department very clear. Second, your role has to be clear so that you can manage expectations. And third, define the, the services that you're providing. And with that, everybody, I appreciate your time. As always, listen to us on uh, insidese.com. Send us a note, drop us a line. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, also continue to uh, provide uh, topics and uh, volunteer. We'd like to get more listeners on the show. So thanks so much on behalf of Scott. Uh, thanks so much for your time and we'll see you on the next one. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to insidese.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request.